0: hello welcome everyone this is a reason for hope and we are with you live for the next hour to receive and answer your questions on God's Word the Bible that's right this is a live broadcast you can send in your questions on the Bible through our multiple platforms and we have wonderful guests here that will delve into the word to find the answers to those so any honest question that you have could be about the Christian faith could be a specific verse or passage in scripture maybe even other world views and maybe history or things going on in the world anything as long as you know we are going to dive into the Bible to find the answers to those questions that's what we're all about here at reason for hope my name is Dave Robson and I will be your host today and like I said filled in all those questions as they come on in through our multiple platforms with us today we have father and son team as is often the case we have Sean Richards over here pastor Sean how are you doing today snug as a bug in a a neglectful Bachelor's Apartment. Oh that's lovely.
1: <laughs> well there you go. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. And also Pastor Scott Richards. I can't top that. Is
0: it no? I'm just glad to be here. Yes, yeah, so we're glad to have you here. <laughs> Scott Richards he's a senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship where we're broadcasting from. Are you doing well today? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to see you both. Yeah. Both so excited great.
2: about this weekend coming up.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. It is. Yeah. It is. We're making preparations. I was just outside hanging the banners with Pastor Peter Martin. Got a bit of sun i think as well doesn't take much for me but uh, yeah we're very excited about this weekend well as i mentioned uh reason for hope is a live broadcast we are with you monday through friday 5 to 6 p.m mountain standard time that's right here in tucson arizona where we're broadcasting from don't be fooled by my accent we are here in tucson in the wild west um, but wherever you are around the world of course you can join us through all those multiple platforms which i will share with you as we move along here you can go to calvarychristianfellowship.com that's our website here Um, If you're looking for somewhere to fellowship in the Tucson area, you're very welcome to come and check us out. We're uh, near Prince uh, and I-10, just on the west side of the freeway there. Check out our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. But for the purposes of tonight, you can go to that Watch Live tab right there, and that will take you to our live page. We stream our services there. Anytime we go live, that's where we stream to. So if you go there right now, you'll see our faces. You'll be able to sign in with a username of your choice and uh, interact that way and send your bible questions in that way when we're offline you'll see a countdown to our next show and you'll see a, a list of upcoming events so follow that link from com, or the direct link is church to get to that same page of course we're on facebook calvary christian fellowship of tucson or facebook.com slash ccftucson uh, don't forget to like and to share us around we'd love to have a further reach so if you've been blessed by this ministry that's a way that you can uh, can minister as well just share that around to, to your friends but again you can comment your questions right there I will be watching there and uh, receive your questions and we'll endeavor to get to those on the show today as well we have an app for your mobile device uh, whether it's iPhone or Android uh, go to your App Store look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson you'll see that red background with the white Calvary Chapel Dove logo that's our app you can download that on your mobile device and you can watch us there as well and we have a channel on roku and on apple tv so if you have a smart tv or one of those devices or roku box or stick or one of those things uh, add our channel on your channel list and you'll be able to watch us on your big screen uh, at youtube the channel is called a reason for hope so if you look for a reason for hope on youtube you find us there that's a good place to go to get archives anytime we've been live if you go to that live tab you will see uh, archived versions of all of our shows. So if you missed one or you want to recap and even our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, you can see all the uh, archive right there. So a reason for hope on YouTube, once again, don't forget to like and subscribe and share and uh, post it around other places. If you click on that bell, that means you'll get notified when we're live. So you'll get a little ding ding and you'll uh, get a reminder that we're live and you can join us. So uh, we'd appreciate that on YouTube, get the word out. Our senior pastor here, Scott Richards, who's with us today, he's also on Twitter. How does he manage to be here and Twitter at the same time? It's amazing. Multitasking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you can follow him, uh, Scott R4H, uh, add him, that's his handle, Scott R4H, uh, letter R, number four, letter H. He posts highlights from the show, he posts kind of commentary on things going on in the world and from a prophetic and biblical standpoint and things like that. So if you're on Twitter, follow along with Scott Richards, Scott R4H. Uh, we're on Rumble as well we post um, archive there we're still looking into whether we'll be able to actually stream live or we'll see how this platform goes but uh, if you're on Rumble look for a reason for hope Bible Q&A and you'll find us there too and our email address questions for hope at gmail.com questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com uh, if you listen to us on the radio you are listening to the last show we did pre-recorded so you'll want to use that email address address for hope at gmail.com and we'll get to those on our next show and just like I say keep in mind you're listening to a pre-recorded version and consider joining us on one of our live platforms when you can if you're home and would like to do that but questions at hope at gmail.com you can email us there of course any anytime. Well with all that being said get pretty good at that I think yes <laughs> do it in your sleep <laughs> we love to yeah I do sometimes I wake up oh uh, we like to pray before we go any further of course we're handling God's word that's a pretty serious thing. We want to do that accurately and well and minister to people. So which of you fine gentlemen would like to pray today? I'll just leave it open for you. I'd love to jump in and pray. Let's do it. Let's
2: talk to God. (laughs) Lord, thank you that when we speak, you hear our voice. Uh, Just letting that sink into our hearts for a second is such an amazing thing that, Lord, uh, you not only hear the words that we say, you also weigh the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Prayer is the most intimate form of communication we will ever enter into And I think only when we see you face to face, Lord, are we gonna be able to fully understand that. So Lord, we thank you that we can begin this program by bringing it before you because Lord, uh, we know it is your desire that your word touches and blesses and ministers the hearts of many, many people all over the world. Thank you, Lord, for all of the people that take time to join us on this journey uh, through your word, one question of the heart at a time. Thank you, Lord, uh, especially uh, for our uh, brothers and sisters in africa get up in the wee small hours of the morning uh, to be a part of this broadcast all across europe and the middle east and lord it is just amazing that you can use uh, the technology that we have here to accomplish something that is eternal that is spiritual that uh, can only be explained by the work of your holy spirit and that is leading us into all truth so father take this time allow us to use this time uh, to honor and glorify you and at the end of it let us know you better uh, as a result of having uh,
0: shared this time together with you in jesus name yeah. amen 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 thanks for that well anything to share with us today pastor scott sometimes you give us a bit of an update well going um on.
2: you know as far as uh, prophecy is concerned uh usual stuff going on in the middle east although it's uh hitting heating up uh, a bit uh there was another uh, uh, police action on the temple mount earlier today, when uh, the Palestinians in the Al-Aqsa Mosque took it upon themselves to use that as a staging ground for uh, casting stones and firing uh, bottle rockets and such at uh, individuals that were attempting to pray uh, at the Western Wall. Uh, the Israeli police came in and cleared them out. And uh, as a result, uh, there were not only uh, missile launches from Gaza, which we've come to expect, But uh, the interesting upping of the ante is that uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon uh, lobbed a couple of uh, missiles at Israel. They were taken down by the Iron Dome defense system. But uh, the sabers are definitely rattling in that neck of the woods. And so we need to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, especially with this Passover weekend coming up, uh, and uh, that uh, the Lord uh, would continue to guard and guide his people, and uh, that those individuals that really sincerely feel they're honoring God by doing acts of violence to other people uh, would come to know the true and living God and receive a new heart that uh, no religious system, no tradition could ever give to them. So that yeah. would be, uh, in a nutshell, what's going on
0: out there in the world. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Stephanie, course, for for prayer, for sure, or as always. Um, well, we have questions coming in already, if you guys want to jump right in. Yeah, sure. Once again, um, send your questions in, whatever platform you're joining us, send your questions. I'll be monitoring those, and uh, we will try to get to as many of them as we can today. So please uh, send them in. Um, I had a question from uh, Renee. This is a great question. What makes someone a Christian? Well... <laughs> The, you guys aren't stumped, are you? The short
2: answer to that, Renee, is uh, what makes someone a Christian? It is having a personal relationship with Jesus. The word Christian was first coined in the city of Antioch, uh, outside of Israel, uh, and it was uh, almost a, a derogatory kind of a thing. It was uh, sort of a mockery. They said, oh, look at them. Uh, they're Christians. It was a way of saying they're like little Jesuses. Walking around well, that is probably the the most safe and uh, sane definition of being a christian You'll ever run into when we think of peter and john Standing before the same seasoned group of political power brokers that uh, railroaded jesus into his death uh, It was interesting how uh, They uh, spoke boldly saying whether it is right in the sight of god to listen to you rather than to god you be the judge We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard we're told that the response uh, of that group was telling. They said when they saw that Peter and John were untrained men and noted their boldness, they recognized them as having been with Jesus. Mm. And so I think if we're going to define what a Christian really is, it's someone who has been with Jesus in a significant way. Uh, A person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus for their hope of everlasting life. A person who has connected uh, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and through his word, uh, walking daily with him in a living relationship with him. One who, through the Holy Spirit, also has a uh, love relationship with him that uh, bears witness that we are adopted forever into the family of God. A uh, Christian is any person out there uh, within the sound of my voice who at one time or another has... Taking God up on his offer. And that is uh, to as many as received him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So if you've received Jesus, that is clarifying in Romans chapter 10, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You've come to Jesus, you've asked him to forgive your sins, you've said to him that you believe that he is Lord, that he is God, that he has risen from the dead, and that you have invited him to come into your heart, as Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 puts it behold i stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and dine with him and he with me christ in you now is the hope of glory and uh, so if you have done that then you are a christian now there's all kinds of denominations out there that will emphasize certain doctrinal points of view uh, that we find in the bible but uh, what it all boils down to is, is this some you'll say well if it's that simple why are there so many denominations Well, it's because God's people are passionate about his word, and there are people that are passionate about certain aspects of his word and place emphasis upon these things. But anyone who is a genuine Christian will agree with you on this. A Christian is a person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus and has a living relationship with him. That's probably the most succinct definition, and I hope, uh, Renee, that characterizes your life, that you can point to a Mm. time in your life where you made that decision, where you invited Jesus into your heart, where you asked him to forgive your sins, and he became
0: your Savior and your Lord. Yeah, amen. Anything to add to that, Sean? <laughs> How could you possibly? <laughs> well, very good. Great question, Renee. Thank you for that. Very important question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. D- don't get
2: more important than that. <clears throat> no, that's you right. Know, I
0: guarantee you, Judgment Day, the
2: Lord's not going to ask you questions about your takes on infralapsarianism. That's right. He's not. He's going to ask, uh,
0: did you know me? That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks. thanks for asking that, especially around this Easter time as well. It's good to get those things. Sure, up. yeah. Um, question from Barb here. Man, I just love how this show takes all kinds of twists and turns as far as questions we get. Barb or Barb? Barb. 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 I can't say it the way you say it because my accent. But um, She says a person uh, with makeup and a skirt and lipstick, basically a transgender man, uh, came uh, to the church um, that, that she attends and um, so let me just read it. A person with makeup, skirt, lipstick came to my church and wasn't uh, wasn't a woman. This church I attend accepts everyone for who they are and doesn't expect people to change. How would Calvary Chapel handle this? And she's asking, should I leave this church as they don't really address sin? Well, a couple of things about uh,
2: transgenderism that we need to address here. Uh, you know, I, I pray for and have great compassion on people that are so broken and so confused that they feel that by acting out something that is not physically, biologically, uh, verifiably true about themselves, that they're going to find peace within their lives. The statistics on people that involve themselves in transgenderism, especially those that have gender-altering Uh, surgery. I I don't even know if it alters it. It just mangles the body and injects it with chemicals and causes uh, different phenomena to take place, but nothing has changed in a person's chromosomes. Nothing has changed in the essence of who they are, no matter what they want to do. Uh, I I feel really sorry for people like this because, you know, it's not about putting on a dress or or wearing lipstick. That's uh, a symptom of a far deeper problem. And the biggest problem that I believe uh, that transgenderism uh, creates uh, within our society uh, comes back to something that was alive and kicking way back when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, way back when the only time you ever heard about uh, cross-dressing was uh, when uh, the kinks were singing about Lola or something like that. Yeah. That was supposed to be very shocking. Right. Uh, or Bugs Bunny jokes. Yeah. but. The the, the, the the bottom line, though, is this. During that time, a, a particular point of view was put forward in our public schools, that there is no such thing as absolute truth, that truth is in the eye of the beholder, that nothing is right or wrong, but thinking makes it so. Now, when you get involved with a secularist point of view about life, that is going to make A lot of sense to you, but it also addresses a spiritual issue. It says that God hasn't spoken. Mm. It says that there really is no God, that we are it, that we have to uh, find our own truth out there because there is no right, there is no wrong, there's no one who defines it. Uh, You know, this uh, move towards secularism started way, way back uh, the turn of the last century. Individuals like Thomas Dewey and others uh, tried to incorporate it into our educational system, mm. but it was the logical outflow of a Darwinistic worldview, that uh, everything can be explained naturally. There is no supernatural, there is no God, we are all, there is, we are star right. stuff, as uh, you will hear from uh, the uh, popularizers of this point of view. Uh, there's no real point to life, uh, so you might as well enjoy the trip. Uh, Leo Biscaglia was famous for saying that. Mm. And because we've abandoned the idea that there is anything, such a thing as right or wrong, uh, that, that truth is in the eye of the beholder, that something can be true for you but not true for me, right. uh, this has kind of led us down this path. Right. Now, there's some fundamental problems with this. Reality accurately described is absolute truth. Mm. In, in other words, uh, I can have Uh, All the desire in the world say to believe that human flight is possible by flapping my arms I can believe it so much that I can uh, You know have some kind of surgery done to me to have feathers stapled upon my arms I can be so committed to this point of view I can go to a skyscraper in downtown Tucson and step out of a window on the 15th floor Thinking I'm going to fly to Los Angeles Mm. but all of that perspective does not change the absolute truth that uh, as Sir Isaac Newton said it, uh, objects in motion stay in motion, objects at rest tend to stay at rest. The law of gravity is not affected by how we feel about it Mm. or what our perspective is. It's not going to make the sidewalk any softer when we hit the ground uh, simply because we believe something. So, you know, this idea of the assault on absolute truth really goes all the way back to one of the opening chapters of human history. In Genesis chapter 3, we are told that the serpent, uh, Satan, in the guise of a shining one, whether this was an angelic appearance or it was just a regular snake, uh, there's some debate about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in a supernatural encounter, he said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And uh, Eve got into this conversation. Well, well, you know, from every tree of the garden, we're, we're allowed to eat, but not the tree in the middle of the garden. We're not to touch it lest we die. And then Satan says, you shall not die, but you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of things about that. First of all, Satan contradicted God. You know, Has God indeed said? First, the doubt gets injected here. Mm-hmm. And then the outright denial, uh, saying uh, God's lying to you. God's wrong. Uh, your point of view is superior to that of God. Well, that's really where we are today. And uh, the, uh, the phenomenon of transgenderism Uh, is uh, sort of a a dramatization of this. It's Mm -hmm. uh, sort of a a distraction from the real issue. The real issue is who defines who we are as human beings. Do I do that? Or does my creator do that? Mm -hmm. And if I do not believe there's a creator, well, then, Katie, bar the door. You can do anything you want. Mm -hmm. Sadly, uh, these kind of uh, uh, mutilation uh, techniques uh, in the body uh, are irreversible in many cases. A, uh, it's not just like getting a tattoo that you might regret uh, somewhere down the line. You know, it's like uh, getting a tattoo when you're drunk and discovering instead of no regrets, it's no regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably want to do something about that. Yeah. But, but you can't do anything about this. Uh, once uh, your body parts are lopped off, mutilated, mm-hmm. uh, you can't get them back.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and you have to live with that. Uh, the statistics on uh, the amount of depression uh, and uh, and again uh, Compounded mental illness, I believe in those that are being pushed in this direction And it and it is a push in this direction. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, if you don't believe that's true and Heiser Bush company their Bud Light uh, Affiliate decided to uh, celebrate one transgender individual being a transgender for an entire year they they put this individual on a special beer can uh you know if uh, you're going after the drink beer set to try to push this particular agenda well yeah. you know uh, nike uh has a- an individual who is a non-mutilated transgender just the one who dresses up like a transgender modeling yeah. their uh their uh their athletic apparel for women now and i've seen the ad it's fairly ridiculous i mean i feel sorry for this person it's almost like uh, watching someone being mocked in the name of being tolerant. Uh, so the, 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 the long and the short of it is this, uh, our culture has kind of listened to Satan. first phase was, has God indeed said, is the Bible really the word of God? Mm. You know, uh, really, you know, I mean, is it, is it really God's word or is this just your thing? And other people have their thing. Hey, you do your thing, I do mine, we meet in the middle, it's, it's groovy, man. That, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. But then it gets more intense. Uh, pretty soon it's not, has God indeed said? No, it's God hasn't said. Right. God hasn't spoken. And if God hasn't spoken, then your opinion, my opinion, person who decides to have uh, uh, certain body parts lopped off in order to better play the role of the other gen- uh, gender, uh, it's, it's all the same. And, and so... The, the 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 real issue kind of comes down to this has god indeed spoken you know it's not you know does someone dress up does someone put on lipstick and so on uh, you know you know how would you deal with that in a church setting well you know i think uh it would be the same as saying uh how would your church deal with an individual who showed up for services wearing a ku klux klan outfit I mean, it's a way of presenting yourself, right? You know, it's their thing. Who are you to put your thing on someone else's worldview? Well, generally speaking, if someone did that, there would be someone at the door who would say, well, look, um, we'd be happy for you to be able to attend. We think uh, there are things here that God wants to do for you, but you're calling attention to yourself Mm. instead of focusing in on God. Uh, Come on back in a more suitable garb, and we'll be happy to uh, have you Mm here, and hopefully hear the Word of God. But if an individual does that, oftentimes they're doing it, not because they're being true to themselves, but because they're trying to make a point. And uh, you know, again, there's a place and a time for you to make your point. Uh, Certainly it seems like our mainstream media is bending over backwards to let people make this point, that there is no right or wrong, uh, that thinking makes it so. Even in terms of uh, what our chromosomes are all about, the Supreme Court, uh, refused to intervene in a law in West Virginia that would have prohibited uh, transgender uh, men from competing against women in high school athletic events mm. it's probably going to go back to the Supreme Court but this is going to be a real decision
0: yeah.
2: uh, you know I've you know heard uh, individuals uh, talk about uh, the Leah Thomas situation who uh, ended up shattering all these women's records in swimming because Leah Thomas was a guy right. on the Penn State swim team and uh, was ranked 400 in the world on the men's side but dominates on the women's side. Well, all well and good unless you're one of those people, like say you finished, say 19th, top 18 women in the world are named, or in uh, the NCAA, are named All-Americans. Well, what if you spent your entire life and hours and hours in the pool, like my wife did training for an event like this, Mm Only to have your place as an All-American taken away by an individual who's not transgender, by the way. Mm-hmm. No, no gender-assigning surgery. And this individual, without any uh, permission being given uh, by uh, the women who were competing in these events, was uh, given uh, carte blanche to be able to use the women's locker rooms and train and walk around naked in front of all of these other women with the male genitalia intact. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy all this has gotten. Yeah. But it all comes back to one key issue, has God indeed spoken? Right. In the beginning, he made them male and female. Notice they didn't make themselves male and female, he made them male and female. So you know the, 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 the bottom line is there's all kinds of people that are being taken in by all of this. There's all kinds of people being promised to have peace and uh, a lack of depression and a lack of conflict and fulfillment in their lives as a result of all this, these are people we need to pray for and look upon with great compassion. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't mock them, uh, we shouldn't deride them, but neither are we doing them any favors by indulging what amounts to a distorted reality, um, You know, in, in the name of people liking us, people right. thinking well of us. And yeah. I know there's probably some people listening to this broadcast right now who are not thinking well of me, right now at this moment i'm sorry about that but the 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 bottom line is this if we don't tell you the truth you're asking us to love you less not love you more so all we can do is tell you the truth you got to figure it out you're an autonomous human being god gave you the ability to choose to say yes or no to a relationship with him to say yes or no to his truth but one day uh the the bills are going to come due you know, one day we're going to give an account of our lives before God. And uh, so sad that uh, our uh, public school systems, uh, our, uh, our universities, uh, our media are pushing this particular agenda because uh, the, the people that believe it are the ones that end up getting hurt. So yeah, um, so to answer the question, yeah, I would say that we would tell them, no, don't do this. You're calling attention to yourself. Yeah. Uh, we're here to focus in on God. Yep. It, you know, in the same way, if someone was say dressed suggestively or inappropriately, on the other side of the coin. Right. So you know, it's 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 no difference. the the, the bottom line
0: is, uh, we want people to focus in on God and worship Him in an undistracted way. Yeah. So, do you think that there, there might be a church that? I mean, it, it sounds like that's the case here. They want to, ex, you know, maybe more of an outreach. They have an outreach kind of attitude about it, where they just they want anyone who will come in the doors to come in. Whether they're transgender or homosexual couples or whatever, they just they just want people to come in and hear the word. Do you think that that would be a legitimate kind of ministry, or well, that was his point about the drawing attention to
1: yourself? Yeah. You can attend, but if you're purposefully presenting yourself in a way where it's a distraction to others, we're not being discriminatory in the sense that we're focusing on that one type of sin. We're saying no, this is that mistake and we want to correct that we want all things done decently and in order here yeah. and if the attention's not being drawn to God's word then that's the issue now again i don't attend uh, barb's church i don't know what the intents or the heart of the pastor is maybe this was one time situation it's being overblown that's possible but the difference between someone and we mentioned this a lot on the broadcast as well who affirms a saving relationship with Jesus and one who doesn't is handled differently. You come into the church to hear God's word, great. You come into the church to spout a political message or to cuss out Christians that don't affirm your lifestyle, that's also different. But when someone who is a part of the church, who's regularly attending the church, continues to flaunt this kind of lifestyle, continues to present this kind of message, and continues to draw attention away from the word of God to themselves for whatever reason, then they're put in a situation we would call church discipline, that they're expected to live in accordance with Jesus standards, which, despite the word of a lot of people on TikTok, did have a definitive stand for the law of Moses, which was against the idea of a man dressing as a woman and vice versa, and, of course, to be a distraction in the body. That was also condemned in Paul's letters. So the idea of this whole situation being, well, they're just trying to be patient, patient or gracious to the individual who's visiting maybe for the first or second time. I could give them that, but at least address the issue. Yeah. And and the only other thing I would add into all
2: this is, um, yeah, before I got saved, there were Christians that I would interact with who thought that they could uh, reach me by coming over to my side, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Like like speak with foul language or, you know, say things that were derogatory about Christians and churches and yep. say that they were different. Uh, you know, you listen to them, and after a while you just go, you're just playing me. Yeah, You don't really think this. You're not being sincere here. Hmm. You know, I mean, if you're saying we're going to do this for outreach, you know, well, you're not being straight up with this person yep. about where they're coming from. Uh, you know, and the insincerity that you have to put on to say, oh, yeah, sure, come on in, yeah, no problem, is probably sooner or later going to come to the forefront when, you know, sooner or later, if the, it's a legitimate Christian church and is standing for God's word, you're going to say, well, you know, now that you're here and, you know, you've, you've you know, prayed or gone through our discipleship or any membership thing, you know, um, you know the, the idea of dressing up like, like a woman and showing you, we've got to deal with that. And I'm sure they're gonna look and go, "What?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, I thought you guys were tolerant and all loving. You know, what are you, what are you talking about here? Yeah. And they're gonna leave. No. Nah, so, you know, you know, pay me now or pay me later. Right. Uh, I don't think that we do effective outreach by being disingenuous, insincere, uh, yeah. covering up what we know. Sooner or later, we're gonna have to deal with in Scripture, unless, of course. A church is so far gone that they indulge and endorse an individual that has essentially said, no, God got it wrong. Hmm. Yeah, that's you different. Know? And, and that's, that is a no win. You might as well be up front with people and say, hey, I care enough about you. I have enough respect for you as a human being to tell you straight up where we're coming from.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: You know, I don't expect you to agree with it. Yeah. But... Here it is. Yeah, you know, so uh, we have to be very careful about uh, the the idea. Well, you know, we got to build bridges right. with people. And I said, well, Chuck Smith reached out to hippies. Yeah, but he didn't indulge hippies. Say smoking dope in the middle of Bible studies. Yeah, there there was a give and a take, if you will. Yeah. as far as
0: them being a part of what was going on there. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Well, Bob, thank you for that question. I hope that, that helps you helps you out and helps you to uh, make some decisions and direction and where you fellowship and all that good stuff as well. A question from John here as this is holy week. Some groups refer to today as uh, this today, Thursday as Monday Thursday. What does Monday mean? What is Monday Thursday? It's a Latin word and it means to command. It's basically drawing
1: attention to when Jesus was speaking to his disciples and says, this is the new commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. you want more information but that's where the tradition comes from as far as and I believe we had a question about this off air as well um, some of the concerns that people have as to whether Good Friday is actually Good Thursday if Jesus was crucified today or tomorrow and keeping track of all that again just to repeat the point for your edification John it's just Latin and referencing that term like we talked about on Tuesday with fig Tuesday, It was just picking one of the things that Jesus did during his uh, confirmation week, and that was, of course, where the name came from. Uh, anything else you want to do with it is up to you, but that's just the idea. It yeah. can be a one day above another, every day alike. Yeah. The controversy that's around this issue, though, is... I guess, making three assumptions about the writers of the Gospels, a either purposeful on the part of guys like Bart Ehrman, for example, or just an unawareness of the handling of certain date systems in regards to when the Passover began and when the feast days were. So just to give you all an overview here, the argument and somewhat even claim the contradiction in the gospel accounts is that Matthew Mark and Luke all claim that Jesus was crucified on a certain day whereas the gospel of John shed some light or rather cast some confusion on the matter because of a passage in John chapter 13 and noting it was before the feast of Passover that's when he had the uh, last supper with his disciples whereas the synoptic gospels pretty uniformly I'll just reference one you can check out the others on your own time but in luke chapter 22 it notes in verse 7 that came the day of unleavened bread then the passover must be killed he said to peter and john go and prepare the passover for us that we may eat so the idea is before the feast of passover before the peace of passover this may all seem fairly straightforward but the critics would say well were they having the feast or were they preparing for the feast Was Jesus crucified on the time that the Passover lamb was sacrificed, or before the Passover lamb was sacrificed? And spoiler alert, kind of making much ado about nothing. But the big point that we need to keep track of is that when the gospel writers were speaking to a audience in the Roman Empire they were also ethnically Jewish. So you're talking about two calendars, two dating systems, and two day systems. Now, what I mean by day systems as a part of dating is the idea that a Jewish day was reckoned from what? Sundown or midnight to midnight? Yep, yep. No, Now it was Nuts. sundown and sunrise. That's how they measured the day. And if it was any part of the day, they'd consider that a full day. And what's interesting as well is that in the Old Testament... Well, sunrise to sunrise, yeah. Yeah, but the yeah. Uh, position of the sun was the tricky part in all of this. When it came to how they would measure the Passover date system was actually more than one day. And by the Jewish reckoning in Exodus chapter 12, when the first Passover was introduced, they were told on the 14th day of that month, the first right. Jewish month... Yeah. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the Passover lamb at twilight. Then on the 15th day, this is in Leviticus 23 and verse 6, of the same month, that would be the feast of unleavened bread. So you'd kill the Passover lamb the day before the feast of unleavened bread. And that's what the gospel writers are accounting. Now due to the fact that this was at night in between days, and of course that the Passover Um, lamb was being offered but the feast of unleavened bread was still ongoing this reference was pretty broad and that's why the references to Luke 19 can or Luke 19 John 19 can confuse some people because it mentions it was a high day the time the Passover was killed and Jesus is on the cross So I thought they had that yesterday what's going on here that's the point so if you keep track of the dating system you understand that they're speaking with Roman numbers but Jewish words as far as day is concerned, then this ultimately just requires you to have a cursory knowledge, not necessarily a elementary, but a cursory knowledge of the Old Testament right. and understanding how the Passover worked. So if you hear a Bart Ehrman lecture where he says, it's a contradiction in the Gospels, don't freak out. If you hear someone on the internet who is going, I see some conflict here, again, don't freak out. Just note that the Passover was a week-long celebration that the Thursday and Friday were preparation days for that feast, the lamb they would be eating as the last decent protein-based meal that the Israelites would have before they left Egypt and would have to leave quickly, and on it goes. But when Jesus was celebrating the Passover, we generally can note it would be as we reckon today is Thursday, and then, of course, if you want to get into the semantics of it, as we reckon Friday that would be around the time that he was crucified but note again the overlap because you know in Israel right now it's already Friday it's yep. not not really Australian time but the point being made is that just keep track of the culture keep track of the terms and keep track of what the Passover was rather than just the assumption that oh good Friday certainly the day Jesus was crucified what else would they call it well we have a different calendar than the Jews did. So there's going to be some overlap.
2: Yeah, and even within that calendar, there's some issues. Uh, Dr. Harold Honer of Dallas Theological Seminary wrote a book called Chronological Aspects in the Life of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the things he pointed out was that uh, there is uh, uh, testimony in the Talmud that the Sadducees and the Pharisees reckoned the calendar, uh, the beginning of the calendar month differently. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. the, there, in fact, there was a, a big dispute between them as to uh, when the calendar month would begin. It would begin when someone would observe the new moon. Uh, it's a lunar calendar. If someone observed the new moon, then that's the date that it would, uh, it would end up uh, creating. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, interestingly, Dr. Honer points out that in AD 30 there was a huge controversy between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, in that the Sadducees, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, got a jump on the uh, start of the month, they added a day to it, mm. uh, and the, the Pharisees threw an eight-day fit about it. The Pharisees, being the more popular of these two sects, would uh, tend to have their point of view, uh, followed by the vast majority of people. So the 14th day of Nisan, when the Passover would be had, uh, the the Sadducees would say, "Well, the fourteenth is this day," and the, Sa- the Pharisees would say, "No, you calculated the start of the month wrong." And so, on that particular Passover, there were those who followed the Sadducees and uh, basically had the Passover on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and then there were those who followed the Pharisees who would have it on Thursday slash Friday, mm. which we see so, the Gospel writers yeah. documented. So, And uh, there's some interesting speculation about the Apostle John himself. Some early church uh, writers and historians uh, associated John with uh, having connections to the uh, Sadducees, to the individuals. That's why he got the ability to be able to go in and have access uh, when the, others, the, the other disciples kind of fled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, some believe that because of that, uh what he was emphasizing was that jesus kind of covered his bases uh there was a uh, uh opportunity to be able to uh, have a passover gathering with his disciples on both of those days so that uh, peace was preserved if you will yeah. so so you know you get into all these controversy people say yeah. well, what does that have to do with the price of tea in china you know the, the most interesting comment i've seen on this whole uh, deal is this stop for a second, and don't miss the, uh, the forest for the trees here. There are some who will say, oh, well, you know, this, this detail about when Jesus had his celebratory feast with his disciples. This says this, and this says that. Do you realize the minutia that is involved with that mm-hmm. as far as history in general?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there is no other example in history that we have of a biography of a major historical person That gets down to that microscopic level of details about a particular event in this person's life Mm. Uh, and uh, you know i think when you take a look at it from that point of view uh, the historicity and the precision with which we see the life of jesus being described is really what we see being emphasized here Uh, yeah he died during the passover week and it is so detailed that we even get into these kind of chronological aspects of just trying to discover, okay, during which 24-hour solar rotation did this particular event happen?
1: Yeah, the usual controversy when it comes to anything in Greek or Roman history, let alone Persian, is, okay, we've got 30 to 300 years of wiggle room here. We've got three days. And it's not really that much of a controversy. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, very true. So, so fascinating stuff.
0: It in, yeah, yeah, it is. Thank you, John, for that question. Um, you sparked quite a discussion, but I hope that, uh, that helps <laughs> that, you was out. Fault, yes. you, no, that was my fault. I hope good. that wasn't too inside baseball for most of you out there. But, uh, <laughs> right. but we get asked We these certainly covered your question, man. yeah. Uh, so, thanks, John. Thanks for being part of the, the show and for your question. A uh, question from Joseph. Uh, if a man is appointed once to die, as the Bible teaches, it sure does, why do people have accounts of dying and coming back? uh later and then dying of old age um if you can only die once and you mentioned lazarus as well did he essentially did lazarus die twice if it's only given to man to die once god did jesus did bring him back from the dead yeah, a lot of people were brought back from the dead no the whole passage is that it's given to man to
1: die once and then comes the judgment mm-hmm. it's not the quantity or chronology of death that's being prohibited it's the finality of judgment that's due to us all if you emphasize okay die once I, I see one once okay anyone who dies twice the bible's an error no it's judgment is where death leads to and you need to live in light of that that was the point
2: yeah uh, you know I, I wrote a book called reasonable doubts and we talked about uh, uh, there's a chapter in it called heaven on 125 dollars a day about so-called uh, uh, afterlife therapy regressive therapy and going back to other lives yeah people who see lights at the end of the tunnel Uh, in the the research i did for this there was a fascinating court case that touched on this issue there was an individual uh, who was sentenced to life in prison without parole for Mm. murdering someone well he had a heart attack while in jail and during that time of a heart attack he flatlined for over two minutes before he was revived Mm. so he appealed his sentence saying i served my sentence until death, and now I come back. So, you should let me out because <laughs> you said I was supposed to stay in jail until I died. Yeah, so I died.
0: How did that work out for him? Well,
2: the judge looked at him and said, The fact that you were standing here arguing this case tells me <laughs> you did not die. Yeah, you had an experience on an off- operating table, they brought you back. Yeah. so when, when the scripture says uh, it is given to man once to die and after that comes the judgment it doesn't mean that it's impossible say to resuscitate somebody or uh, that the bible's teaching against cpr or something like that oh you know, once to die you know they've died you better right. let them go uh you know it's you, you get into that kind of silliness but what it's saying is this is that uh, there's one life will soon be passed only what is done in christ will last uh what it's really saying is life here is where eternity makes up its mind mm. that's the point being emphasized there because we do see individuals who were clinically dead by all stretches of the imagination i was reading uh in, in the book of acts earlier today uh, about tabitha uh an individual that uh, not only died but uh there were individuals that had to run from the place where tabitha was To Lydda, where Simon Peter was, bring Simon Peter back. Peter has to go up and see her, clear everybody out, says to her, uh, Tabitha Kumi, kind of like Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise, and she resurrected. Hmm. Well, does she disprove that rule? No, because Tabitha was going to die again. Lazarus, Hmm. does he disprove that rule? No, Lazarus was going to die again. And after that comes judgment. Right. Now, if someone says, <clears throat> "Well, I died, uh, I stood before judgment, God uh, pretty much laid out uh, where I was. He sentenced me to an eternity without Him, uh, but now I'm back."
1: You were reaching for the acorn in heaven, and then you started getting sucked in. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> like Scrat or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's I think where we lose
2: sight of what that scripture's saying. Right. So Great. don't forget, it says it is given a man not just once to die but after that comes the judgment. Make sure yes. you fill in
0: the whole sentence. There. Right, yeah, answer yeah. that. Great, well great question, Joseph. Hope that helps you out. Great question indeed, thank you for that. Uh, question from Yari, our friend Yari here. Uh, why is there a judgment seat for us if our sins are removed as far as the East is from the West? Why then are, are our works judged? Because there's more than one way to judge something. It just means to come to conclusions. You can come to a
1: positive conclusion about your works, Or you can come to a negative revelation that none of your works are worthy before the throne of God. If you're in Christ, then you are participating in what's called the Bema seat, the 2 Corinthians 5 judgment seat of Christ, one that you definitely want to take seriously, one that is going to have impacts on your eternal, not necessarily destiny, but standing. And fellowship with God uh, how you lived in this life as we stated before in Hebrews does matter if you're a believer then your eternal destiny's set but what you take with you is up to you as far as the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20 that's for those who are being judged down those who are apart from Christ are given their day in court the books are opened and the only factor that matters is if your name wasn't written in the book of life then you are separated from God you will fall short of the glory of God that's just a fact
2: yeah, uh, again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. Uh, the word condemnation, the Greek word katakrino, it literally means to judge down. If you've ever mm. seen one of those, you know, uh, uh, swords and sandals gladiator films, uh, Emperor yeah. Commodus, Commodus going, oh, uh, you know, down. That, that meant to be condemned. Uh, you'd be sentenced to death. Right. There is no sentencing to eternal death for those who are in Christ. Mm. Is there judgment? Yeah. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that uh, all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, We're going to discover what kind of uh, uh, work we built upon the foundation uh, that we have in faith in Christ. If it's wood, hay and stubble, it's going to be consumed. If it's gold, silver and precious stones, that is the things that last forever, Uh, we'll receive a reward. Uh, The person that uh, didn't build on that foundation, Uh, with permanent things, that is, things that only God can do through His Spirit, uh, is going to suffer loss, we are told. He will be saved, but yet as through the flames. Mm. Uh, In other words, uh, it's not like you have to go through purgatory or something like that. But what it means is you're going to be saved, but you're going to make it by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. And in some unique and powerful way, uh, the Bible's speaking about rewards, of us receiving uh, victor's crowns and so on. Uh, the picture in Revelation chapter four, the 24 elders casting their crowns before the Lord and declaring him worthy. Uh, some people aren't going to receive any crowns. Hmm. They'll be saved, but it's going to be a crownless, uh, existence. And I think, hmm. uh, during those times, people will really kind of come face to face with, wow, why didn't I invest my life more in things that really mattered for eternity? Right. So, yeah, uh, we are going to be judged for how we live our life. Uh, everything matters. Yeah. Everything we do really matters. It really, really does. Yeah. Uh, we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. Our sins have been removed from us. As far as the east is from the west, our sins and lawless deeds He will remember no more. In other words, that's not going to be the basis upon which we're going to be judged, but the way we live our life is going to be judged. Even yeah. the the term, the we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the word there is bema. It literally means a a place where you receive the rewards for a race well run mm. some people will receive those rewards some won't right i just want to be one of those people that gets the rewards so i can give it to jesus
0: and say, you did it all anyway yeah so. <laughs> yeah me too yeah me too absolutely great well yari thank you great question i hope that helps you out thank you for for being part reason for hope and for your question we appreciate that uh question from daphne why did the she bears attack those kids when they mocked elisha and a follow-up question is, what is meant by don't touch God's anointed? Yeah, um, they Definitely. weren't kids, first of all. They
1: were youths. There is a difference. Youth, like a street gang. You'll, you'll get to that in yeah. a minute. Yeah. But youth is literally a term in Hebrew used to reference anyone under the age of 40. So <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, be careful with that term of saying kids and then uh, basically take the teeth out of this metaphorically, not literally. The second issue is that when the she-bears came to uh, not just attack these kids, it notes in verse 24, let me just read the passage here. Um, This is verse 23. Then he, that is Elijah, went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him, saying, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So he turned around, looked at them, and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord and two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went there from Mount Carmel, and they returned to Samaria. Now, assuming it was a total loss on the part of this gathering of youths, 42 people gathering for any purpose. I mean, we don't have to use a lot of imagination, but uh, the Antifa gatherings and the college riots and so forth, we can see that even if they aren't that intelligent, they are in fact dangerous. But when they're gathered for a purpose, usually 42 of anybody is trying to get a message across. But what was their message? It was go up. Well, the good news about Second Kings 2 is that it's preceded by second Kings one and second King's <laughs> this one could be proven mathematically right. yes so second <laughs> no. Kings One included an interesting event where Elijah's pre- uh, predecessor, his mentor Elijah, was caught up, literally raptured, if you're reading the Latin, mm. into heaven in a flaming chariot. Now a, a mantle passed to Elisha, and that's how he knew that the spirit would actually be passing to him and not someone else in the school of prophets because there were many. Right. But what's important to note about that is that word had spread. And in Bethel, the house of bread, uh, or Bethlehem, Bethel is the house of the Lord. But the idea of this city being a gathering of people, was it uh, at this time, at least in Israel's history, a place of piety and godly reverie?
2: No, Bethel was at that point the epicenter of
1: Baal worship. And how did they worship their God again? Um, Very viciously, yeah. By cutting themselves, human sacrifice, a lot of blood rituals in particular, some forms of prostitution. But follow the trend here. You've got a city that's known to not only brutalize themselves, but anyone who doesn't worship their God. Being visited by a guy who doesn't worship their God, referencing a guy who before him in service to God was deceased by being caught up, they tell him, go up, and people usually atheists on the and, internet. And say, the guy who
2: got caught up um put a real dent in the priesthood of Baal a few chapters
1: back. Yeah. That's so, another fun question. Yeah, but yeah. but follow the trend here and note the setting. In a city known for brutalizing the people of God and brutally expressing their worship of God, they meet a man of not their God. Referencing his predecessor and how he supposedly died and telling him, go up. What are they telling him? They're making an allusion, not so subtly, and saying, you're going where your master's going. It's not too much of an inference on my part, but let's just pretend I don't know what I'm talking about. When these she-bears came out again you can give us insights into the hebrew but the language not only tells us that they mauled 42 of these guys but did they like proactively seek out these youths or what was actually happening here they were standing by elijah according to the actual text these guys were so proactive it took a total loss of 42 people before they took a hint to stop messing with these mama bears who for whatever reason were not protecting their cubs We're protecting Elijah. So what's going on here? Let's say you don't know the Hebrew, you assume that this is offensive. You read chapter one, hopefully, and are following the reference of Go Up. This group of 42 at a minimum people, even if you assume they're five-year-olds, as some atheist groups would try to make it out to be, and they mess with Elijah to the point where God sees fit to maul them to death with these bears i even with that limited information i'm going to say i'm missing some details here because this seems too vicious or it seems like it's being imagine that on the internet caricatured to be something that it isn't and here's the point in a time where the people of god were being butchered where his predecessor thought that all the prophets of god had been slaughtered or abandoned the faith for the sake of preserving their lives during the reign of queen jezebel Mm -hmm. we won't even mention ahaz because Or Ahab, rather. Because, I mean, we here in the United States know exactly why. The point of emphasis is being this. The prophet Elisha was in a case where he was being approached by a mob and God defended him. That's the situation. If you want to do a little bit of homework, you could note the usage of the Hebrew word and it being very specific to the situation. You could note the significance of the word youth, find it in any Hebrew concordance. But if you want to look at this just at face value and note how it's presented by atheists and skeptics, critics of Christianity, you can go, I think we're missing some details here. And that's the fact of the matter. Yeah
0: very good yeah very good well we are out of time i'm gonna call it i will mention that tomorrow we won't be with you i'm right in saying that yeah, right that is correct good friday uh we will be streaming at 6:30 p.m our service here good friday service if you're in the tucson area we'll be in person as well but wherever you are you can join us 6:30 here mountain standard time so about an hour and a half later than what we'll you usually tune in for reason for hope um that'll help you figure it out but, uh, and we'll be sunday and Sunday as well. Yes, we yeah. have a uh, well, 8 o'clock and 9.30. We'll be streaming for that as well. We have a sunrise service you can come and out for. We won't be streaming that, but in person outside. should be a beautiful time as well. So awesome. if you need somewhere to fellowship in the Tucson area, we're here for you. Calvary Christian Fellowship. If not, we'll see you after the weekend. God bless, God bless you guys. Bless you.
1: You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time.